0: shotgun look baker good snap looking to his left looking for the ball toward the end zone toward Evans he makes the catch touchdown Tampa Bay Mike Evans this is Buccaneers total access brought to you by Hooters Hooters the official wing joint since 1983 now your co-hosts former Buccaneers guard Ali Marpet and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips
1: Welcome in to another edition of Buccaneers Total Access. We are coming to you from the Hooters Owls Nest. Casey Phillips here with Allie Marpet, and we get to talk about a division championship. We get to talk about an upcoming playoff game. It's a great day around the office here. A
2: lot of good energy here. A lot of good energy. Very exciting. No, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, when you think about, like, expectations going into the season and to sit where the Bucks are right now to be, uh, you know, have a road to the Super Bowl is freaking unbelievable! I think it's like I think there's a lot of good energy, a lot of people feeling good, a lot of positive mo- momentum. So it's, it's, it is a good, it's a good day to be a Bucks fan. It's it a, is,
1: it's a good yeah. day. And you know, I was thinking about this: of you lose Tom Brady, you got 80 million in dead cap, you're picked 31st in the league to start the season by so many people, and instead you win the division for three years in a row and you get a home playoff game. And it's just so interesting to see how so many people thought the cards were stacked against this team and to see where they have come out and, and exceeded so many of the expectations. Why do you think this team was able to ignore all that and just get to business and still even with all that dead cap and a lot of changes be able to be in this position? Yeah,
2: I think the core of the locker room like has been, has been there for a while right? I think like Obviously, Tom and there's other pieces around it, um, but like the core is was was there. And there's a lot of good players. Talk about Mike Levante, Chris Vita, I mean, a lot of Antoine, like a lot of guys that are playing out of their minds. And those guys have been there for a while. And the fact that you're playing with an 80 million dollar cap hit is wild. I mean, like I think that's one of the best things about football. Honestly, is like the level playing field, having that minimum spend, because you have competitive games week in week out it's not like baseball where one team spending the, the salary on one player right. compared to an entire team. gross
1: domestic product of a country right? exactly <laughs>
2: like I think that's one of the beautiful things about football and uh, it's hard to get to an 80 million dollar deficit I think that usually only happens when you're so all in for a Super Bowl push which obviously made sense to do mm-hmm. and um, they
1: would all say is worth it
2: also yeah you yeah. do it a thousand times over. Yep. But usually, what happens is clubs end up getting behind. Like, uh, you know, you pay for it on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, the Saints with Drew Brees. I mean, there's, there's definitely like uh, you, you pay for it. And the Bucks, like, there's just a core group of guys that have got it done. Mm-hmm. It's awesome, and I think it makes it really exciting to root for this team.
1: Yeah, I think it's so true. And I'm seeing it for you. Looking back at when you were a player, what is it like when you know going into a season? outside people are not picking a team to do well. What is that like? And how do you guys try in the locker room to, is it you just block it out? Is it you use it? What is it like over the course of a season to have so many of the the sort of doubters on the outside?
2: Yeah, I think like it ends up being like uh, a player specific thing. So I know for me, like totally irrelevant. Whatever uh, uh, talking head or whatever said, was uh, totally irrelevant. Now I know there are other guys that go on Twitter and like, screenshot the stuff that people say about them keep their seats and they think about it totally differently um but so i think it's what what, however you you know yourself and however you're motivated that that's that's more important
1: so this is the first time in team history to win three straight division titles it is not an easy thing to do in this league that's like that is incredible
2: unbelievable so
1: talk about the significance of that to the to the guys in the locker room to so many guys. On this team now, it's it's interesting as you just look at a roster and how much turnover there is, there are a lot of guys on this roster that know nothing other than making the playoffs. Oh,
2: my gosh. This spoiled is a f- Spoiled rotten. Spoiled rotten. I figured, rotten. I figured
1: this is your chance to soapbox that. Up. No, like, you I, don't even know how hard this is. No, yeah, four straight years of playoffs, three straight division titles. Well, what is it like? I
2: will say the young guys have been through it. It hasn't been the cleanest like mm-hmm. run. Like Yes, you've gotten where you want to go, but it's definitely had its problems. You know, like it's, The seasons have had their ebbs and flows, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and I just think about what does it mean to these guys in this locker room to know what they've been able to do in recent years and to do something that has never been done in team history even.
2: Yeah, so the three in a row mm-hmm. has never been done. No. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that stays, stays with you. It stays the course of your career. I mean, you'll always look back on this and think of what, what a special time or a special group of guys.
1: Yeah, It's division titles are hard to come by. I mean, I think about how I just um, – I think I heard that it's like 19 straight years the NFC East has had a different winner. NFC East. NFC East, yeah. That there haven't been two years in a row with the same team winning that. That division titles are hard. I mean, all these teams know each other so well and they play each other so often. And it's just so interesting the way that works. And, And I thought, you know, going in to know that it was a division opponent to close out the season to get you where you need to go. Even though you can say, okay, yeah, Panthers two and fourteen, you know, going to the game that it was they had a rough record, they weren't looking very good, they've been through a lot of things. It's still a division opponent. And so yeah. we knew it was probably gonna be a, a tough one. Um for you looking at this game what did you kind of expect and what does it feel like knowing that when it's always that division opponent to close out a season how unique those games are well, i mean the
2: bucks have been there to spoil other <laughs> the saints i mean like we've, we've we've been there and so i just know that those division games are always like it's it, the nfl we were just talking about right so the level of play is always pretty consistent because of the salary cap the way that it's set set up minimum spends team have to spend a certain amount of money so talent is usually evenly distributed so in those division games it's even more of a coin flip and you never knew what was going to happen, even if it's a two-win team at the end of the season. Like, you know they have it circled on the calendar to win that game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so you knew that it was going to be their best effort put forward. And so you, there's no sure things, uh, especially with the division. So it makes it feel, even though it wasn't the prettiest of games, it makes you feel pretty good.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. We're talking to former Buccaneer Ali Marpet. Um, So Baker, we knew that he was banged up going into the game, but we also knew it was going to take... Uh, a force of nature to keep him off Dude, of the field, but it's
2: unbelievable. Like he is playing out of his, like, like I, I can only imagine just, I can see it from the outside. I mean, it looks like, you know, there's some pain. There's some, there's difficulty, you know, doing the things that he wants to do, but my gosh, he's just willing it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome to see. And it makes you want to root for this team even more. I think um, when you have a guy, a leader on this team, that's just like doing it the right way. And, you know, I can only imagine what he's feeling like today, but I'd imagine hopefully the enthusiasm and the excitement about the playoffs has got you, you know, feeling a little bit different. Hopefully,
1: yeah, Um, yeah, and it's it's true. I mean, I I remember thinking watching that game, he gets that third down run, and here he um, is. You know, he came in with a rib stuff, and then you saw him limping around during the game, and then he takes off and converts that third down. And I thought, man, this is everything you want a quarterback. And I imagine what that does for you know the offensive line for everybody else in that game to watch him do something like that, that that makes such an impact beyond just whatever the X's and O's are of, of what he's doing on the field.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such a fun player. And yeah. So that third down scramble, I mean, I definitely felt like maybe like when he was slowing down, there was like, you could see a little hesitation, which is like hard to see. But again, uh, for a guy that you're playing with and a guy that you're rooting for, I think brings you to like a level of enthusiasm and excitement. Like I just, you just want to play for that guy. Like, you know, at this point in the season, everybody's banged up mm-hmm. everybody's hurt everybody's waking up today feeling it like you're walking like a zombie stiff like that's just what it is at this point in the year um but when you have guys around you that are doing it and or feeling that mm-hmm. but then playing at a high level and also kind of just ignoring that noise like it just motivates you to play at a higher level yeah. like you just want it. like if the guy next to you is doing it you want to do it you want to do it better than him like yeah uh so injuries Obviously, at this point in the season, impact everybody, um, and uh, the way the Baker's playing right now is just—it's—it's
1: it's unreal. Yeah. So much effort, so much intensity, and I—I I know that you know nine to nothing isn't exactly the you know offensive powerhouse game you're hoping <laughs> for at this point. But you know, again, he—he's banged up, and I just thought I wanted to hear for you what did you see is kind of maybe. What was some of the challenges offensively, you know, especially early in the game and knowing you know, you're starting with so many punts and yeah. um, struggling to get going a bit. So, you know, how much was maybe him being a little limited? How much was other factors on the offense? What did yeah. you kind of see as to uh, what were some of the, the early struggles? I
2: mean, it sounds like hard to do, but the, the, given the Panthers credit, like they have a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't been able to click throughout the entire of the year, obviously, but they have a talented front and they got good corners. I mean, they have a really good defense, and it showed. I mean, uh, obviously the things that the missed opportunities both sides, uh, and the Bucks could have done some different things offensively, I'm sure. But like, they've got a good, pa- really good pass rush, really good stout in the run game, and their corners one-on-one are playing good ball. So it's like, uh, it's hard to put up a lot of points on them when they're playing against a division opponent like that. So, um, you know, you, you'd like to see a more exciting game. You'd like to ideally, like if you have a perfect world, you love the offense, you know, have a ton of momentum and mm-hmm. everything's sort of clicking, going into the playoffs. Right. But that's just not the NFL. And the Eagles sure as heck aren't doing it right now. And um, you just have to, at this point in the year, you just have to find ways to win. And it's not going to be clean, and it's not going to be pretty.
1: Yeah, there's no such thing as style points at this point. So it's like, you know what? You win the game, it's all that matters.
2: Especially with injuries at this point. Usually you're asking people to step up, um, and the Bucs are relatively healthy, which is a good place to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually the teams that make these, like, playoff pushes are the healthiest. Like, who's right. healthy at the end of the year?
1: Yeah. I was thinking that even when the offense was struggling, how big was it that they were able to hang on to the ball that entire end of the game? And, and for you, what do you remember about those times when you guys, you know, you know you're know, you getting the ball, you got six minutes left, and you do not want to give it back?
2: Yeah, well, I think the one thing that I, I would say I can imagine sort of the frustration of the offense, it's like you feel like you're able to get some movement. You feel like you're able to get, cut, cut guys out of gaps. And for some reason, it's just the, the run game, for instance, like just isn't really working. And you saw towards the end of the game, it started to hit a little bit. It started to like those, those you know, two to three yards runs started to pop a little bit and they were able to possess the ball. And that's just the best feeling, right? When it starts to, starts to click, when you feel like it's there. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, they were able to sort of, it felt like they were able to w- will that win, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it really feel like you you could feel how important it was to them that they needed to close that out. Uh, And the offense, you know, showed up when they really needed to.
1: Yeah. How about the offensive line? What did you notice about their performance, both run and pass-wise?
2: Yeah. So I think that uh, I'd say from a pass protection standpoint, um, one thing, if I'm being a little critical, as given the offensive line fits, is some of these games, like these TTs, TEs, the defensive line stunts, uh, passing those off. So I think that the Panthers tried to do that. Um, try to get creative with some linebacker pressures Uh, but really I think when it comes to those one-on-one pass rushing matchups which are kind of the hardest honestly as an offensive line uh, they've they've been playing pretty good now Derek Brown as an interior rusher is probably one of the better in power interior rushers of him Dexter Lawrence number one him number two and uh, they did pretty well I think uh, Cody had his hands full at times but like that's a tough ask like when you're Throughout the entirety of a game, you're not going to win every rep. So what are your reasonable expectations going into it? Uh, I think uh, for the most part, the offensive line played played pretty well.
1: And then, yeah, I love this. So Chris Godwin uh, went over 1,000 yards receiving for the fourth time in his career, which is incredible. So he broke a tie with Joey Galloway and Vincent Jackson for the second most 1,000-yard receiving seasons in franchise history, trailing only, of course, Mike Evans. <laughs> um Fourth time in five years, he and Mike have both hit a thousand in the same season, which is not easy to do. That's
2: got, to, I mean, I don't know what other wide receiver duos are out there that are have done that, but like, I gotta think that's all up there. I mean, those guys are unbelievable what they've been able to do. I think so. Like, they are the, <laughs> they are consistency to like, they're the models of consistency, both of those guys. And, um, yeah, to have two 1,000-yard receivers uh, for four to five years. I mean, and also what, what they do to the locker room, too. Like, those guys are just high-character guys that, like, people can rally behind. It's so, I think it's so rare for the receiver position to, to have, like, these are your, as, you know, lunch, lunch blue-collar, lunch box, like, lunch pail, like, yep. kind of guys. and Got a uh, little
1: offensive lineman in them. A little offensive
2: yep. lineman in them. We, we talked to Chris about that earlier um and no it's just it's it's awesome to say for both those guys and I'm glad that Chris is able to get it in the last game
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely and and just the the role that Chris has played he's played slot some he's played outside some kind of finding his way in this offensive scheme what did you see as the role he ended up playing and then also just the way that Mike is still playing at such a high level at this age in his career and maybe even compared to what you would have expected at this point just seeing the way that each of them found their individual way in this offense and what specifically they ended up bringing in this scheme yeah
2: I think Chris is kind of you know our version of that Swiss army knife a little bit offensively you know you try to get him in the short game you try to put him in the slot you know you give him you know try and uh, run the ball with him a little bit like and uh, the, the sweet type type of action the type type of plays and I think that he's done a really nice job of it um, I think that when you have a player like Chris, you try to like, figure out ways to scheme him up because you know he's such a unique athlete. Um, so I think they've done a nice job. I mean, of, uh, I think Dave has uh, utilized him well. And then Mike is the kind of guy where just like, cut like, cut it loose and just like, let him rip. Like At some point, he's going to be running downfield and he's going to be open. And as long as you can make that connection uh and take your st- shots strategically he's gonna have a thousand yards like you can just hang your hat on that and um, the fact that he's doing it this late is unbelievable the truth is it's a contract year for mike and i i think the outside looking in usually those guys tend to play with a little bit more fire and uh it's it's it is awesome to see but i do know that even after whatever contract mike gets uh that he'll be able to continue to get a 1,000 yards.
1: Yep, I completely agree. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. This is Buccaneers Radio.
0: Buccaneers Total Access continues, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Back to your co-hosts, Ali Marpet and Casey Phillips.
1: Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters. We are coming to you from the Hooters Owls Nest. Casey Phillips here with former Buccaneer Ali Marpet. Let's talk a little defense now. First of all, First shutout for the Buccaneers since 2010.
2: Dude, shutouts in the NFL are so hard. <laughs> yeah. They, like, at some point, usually somebody lets up something. And even like, a,
1: just a field goal, something. A field goal, yeah. yeah like,
2: it, it, like because, you know, an offensive uh, an offense can have an interception, give the, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the ne- uh, opposing team... Pick six, team. something, Pick six, yeah. some, uh, Opposing team, good field position, like... You know, your punting game needs to be on point like everything needs to kind of work for you to your pitch a shutout mm-hmm. and i think that the defense it's i mean yeah they just played out of their minds i mean they played to their capabilities and uh a couple i think there the truth is there were some lucky breaks too like uh, the the holding right mm-hmm. that brought back that that touchdown like that was extremely fortunate and also antoine <laughs>
1: Good we, grief! Let's talk about that play. Tell you, me when you saw that. What went through your mind?
2: Is there so I well thought about like him on the radio show. Honestly, when we had him and he's talking about you know how many uh, turnovers he wants to have in the year. Like, is there a defensive player that's had more of an impact on the game than Antoine? Nope. Like he has not. I, know, only has, I think
1: you asked that as like a hypothetical, but yeah, I think everyone yeah. out there was like, no,
2: like, no. So not only is he like I talk about game saving ta- like from safety game saving tackles or like. Mm-hmm. Game saving, you know, whatever. Like, he has stopped, <laughs> t- like, touchdown, like, uh, uh, reversed points.
1: Yeah, he can and count specific points that he his saved. himself has yeah.
2: saved. I don't think that, I mean, I'm not, that's not a stat, I don't think, <laughs> yeah. but like, he's got to lead, he has to lead the league yeah. in that. I mean, and
1: even I thought about in this game, he got the sack that pushed them back nine yards that yeah. then they missed the field goal, which they might not have missed. So even things like that that are a little bit less direct, as his force fumble on the goal line, he is making so many plays that are directly impacting their points. And it's it's incredible. It's
2: got like it's it's defensive MVP like conversation, which is like don't get me started on the promo with him. Oh, I was I mean,
1: planning on getting you started. That's actually what we're here for—is to get like, you started. On it, that. So <laughs> it's
2: just it, so. Well, I'll, let me just say, the f- impact that he has had on games by turning the ball over, which is the, uh, the number one indicator for winning and losing in the NFL. Like him directly making that many turnovers, stopping that many, reversing that many points, um, uh, putting the quarterback in, in third and long position with the sacks. I mean, it's just uh, whatever the, the war, the individual stat is for, for that is just, he's, uh, he's gotta be a consideration for defensive MVP. And then the Pro Bowl, my God.
1: It's unbelievable. So um, to, to think we're talking about how we really believe he deserves to be the defensive MVP. Yes. And yet he's not one of the top at his position in just the NFC is hilarious.
2: So, yeah, Pro Bowl voting is flawed. I'm a little biased because I felt like there were some years I would have liked, liked to end. <laughs> so, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a little uh, upset with Pro Bowl voting. Yep. But... Uh, Yes, I think that the issue is I was just looking like it looked like there's only one free safety for the NFC and there's two strong safeties. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they normally do it. I don't know if they split up safety, uh, free safety or strong safety differently if they have uh, or if it's just three total. But it seems like a huge miss. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, he's got name recognition. He's played enough.
1: I think if anything, this will now give him the name recognition, which is that's one of the few perks of this is the fact that he got snubbed. I think has been such a national conversation and showing everybody the stats that even people who maybe hadn't watched the Bucks as much or hadn't followed him as much. I think now more people are involved. I almost think if they redid the voting today, he would, he would he'd get, get it. it. That it's like yeah. I'm, this is my hope is that we've had enough of a campaign for him this last week that, that this will never happen again yes but <laughs> in the short term we sacrificed this pro Bowl for years to come of like hey everybody look at what he's doing which I think is helpful but yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy I
2: think that the, so sometimes it, as and I think uh fans may need to know this as well like when it comes to player pro Bowl voting like so players do their voting it's usually towards the end of the year like it's kind of sometimes, I would say maybe not as thoughtful as it should be. People and, got a lot going on. Yeah. yeah, I mean like it's like it's just like another to, I know it sounds silly, but sometimes can take as like another like to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you combine that with like what how fans vote which you know name recognition or their team. Their team yeah. exactly. Uh I think that's when you get these these sort of snubs and it's disappointing. Uh but I mean he's got to be he's, he's Hopefully they make it right. I mean, he's all pro. I mean, yeah. he's got, I feel like he's got he's to be. be.
1: He has to be. Um, I also wanted to hear from you. So he got a sixth sack of the season. That's how I sell seashells by the seashore. That's, 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 a, that's
0: a tough one. I had to think about six, that one for a little six bit. Sixth
1: sack six sacks of the season. season. Um, I would love to hear from an offensive line perspective about his rushing ability and what that is like for an offensive lineman to know that you don't have to just worry about these defensive <laughs> linemen in front of you, the outside linebackers over here, but one of your top potential sack getters being the safety that you never know where he's coming from.
2: Yeah. So I'd say the, the most difficult thing to think about when you're thinking about uh, a safety coming down the box isn't necessarily the physical component of it, but it's making sure that you, like as an offensive line, you're responsible for that guy. Because I think that in an ideal world, you can scheme up an offensive prospect, uh, protection so that you have you know the four down and whoever they're bringing from a pressure standpoint that's not really what's happened with Antoine. He's been able to get to, uh, for the most part, uh, on running back, th- those sort of matchups, which is a huge advantage. Antoine on a running back, like you take that 10 times out of 10. So that speaks to Todd Bowles and what he's able to do, just mm-hmm. sort of scheme up that. Now from the offensive line, you want to try to be able to see those pressures and be able to make those adjustments or quarterbacks to make those adjustments. So if Antoine's coming, how do we, Get how do we be responsible for him so we don't have this running back matchup. But when you're thinking about that, it just like adds to a layer of like, all right, so you know, find you know 31 like yeah. you talked about. Uh, we've talked about like Tom, you know, uh, uh, find Ed Reed on every play or mm-hmm. something like that. It's kind of like that. You just need to know where he's at at all times so you don't have your running back mismatch blocking Antoine.
1: And it can explain part of why we saw you know Yaya gets another sack. Now he has seven and a half on the season, leading the team. Second most of all rookies and ties Adrian Claiborne for the second most by a rookie in team history.
0: Wow. Pretty incredible
1: stat line, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I have to imagine things like what Antoine's doing is helping other people. It's also like how we've talked about Vita always taking up these double teams, helping the other guys out there, that now you have so many different people doing things that it's freeing up other guys to start having their... Big time seasons, but tell me specifically for Yaya, yeah. what you've seen from him and, and what you feel like you've kind of watched his his growth over this rookie year, knowing that he now has those kind of numbers, maybe not even getting tons of snaps early on compared to some other rookies that were drafted higher than him.
2: Yeah, I think that's that speaks to it. The fact that he's been so productive with his uh snaps on the field. Like early on in the year, he was not like, he's not like this is the guy. He's going to be our our premier pass rusher he's going to be our sack leader like we need to get him on all third down situations he i don't know what his uh, snap count was but it definitely wasn't um you know that of you know rookies who are projected to start day one and uh expected to play at a high level so he's vastly exceeded expectations and i think that like you really just can't get him on the field enough i mean he's really He's really disruptive. He has a really nice um, balance of power and pass rush moves. And I think he's still really raw, which is like really exciting. The fact that physically he can do so many things. I think once he sort of develops a, uh, a few more effective pass rush moves, he's just gonna get better. And so it's good. I think that you really, it's exciting to have a player that's that athletic that has a ceiling as high as he does. And that's, you know, that probably speaks to the reason he was drafted where he was, right? It may not be; it wasn't a first-round pick, but like he has such a high ceiling, so I think that's that's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. We're talking to former Buccaneer Ali Marpet. Um, so now we t- we talked about this; these last couple games haven't necessarily been the offense's uh, dream scenario of how they've wanted <laughs> things to go. After especially having four games in a row that we did see so much more of an explosion of the offense, and it looked like what they I'm sure had designed it to be and wanted it to be. Um, what have you seen as in general, just how? Canalis has evolved as a coordinator over the course of the season how the offense has evolved over the season and and what are the things of why these games it's like yes this is it some of these other games not so much what have you seen as the indicators there
2: yeah i think there's a really good balance of staying true to sort of your philosophical principles which is like run the ball Mm -hmm. you know set it up with some play action get these uh, these nakeds in these boots where you can get uh, baker on the run a little bit um and then also highlighting personnel so like how do we get Rashad out in space? You know, we were talking earlier about Chris and how do we use him as sort of a Swiss army knife? So I think balancing like your core, like principles of what your offensive identity is, but then also highlighting what the type of players you have and giving them opportunities to do what they do well. And I think that towards the end of the year, there seems like when the offense is really clicking, they have that, they strike that balance. Um, of letting players play at the highest level, but also do what they want to do within what the Bucks do, right? right. What that philosophy is, you know, yeah. run the ball and all that other stuff.
1: Yeah. And how about Baker's... Biggest strengths this year. Where, where have you seen with this offensive scheme and with Canalis and Baker what they've been able to kind of build and what Baker specifically brings from more of like an X's and O's? We talked about like his leadership, his gutsiness, yeah. but like kind of his X's and O's part.
2: Well, so I, I will say that I one of the Baker's strengths as a player is just like he is a gamer. So like. I, I know that obviously so he can make the throws. So he can he can do the things that you ask him to do I, I think the truth is not turning the ball over is massive and he's done a really nice job of that so from a, just to talk about a game management standpoint he's been fantastic um and then when you you don't think of him necessarily as being that guy's a third and down a third and long like kind of just get it done but the truth is like he's a gamer it's like kind of like ryan fitzpatrick-esque where it's just like what are, you, what are you thinking here? Like, you shouldn't be doing this. And he gets a first down and he keeps the, the chains moving and keeps the offense rolling. And so I do think that he's been able to manage the game successfully, but he's also been able to be explosive like those other quarterbacks that people tend to think of as their, um, you know, like the Lamar Jacksons or the, those kinds of quarterbacks that can just like you can't really game plan for.
1: And then how about Rashad White as RB1 this year and how much he's been asked to do in this offense in terms of, first of all, it was so sad, 10 yards short of 1,000 yards rushing. It was just right there. Oh, He almost got it on that final drive as they were just kind of trying to hang on to the ball and run and everything. But 10 yards short of 1,000 yards rushing, and then he's been asked to do so much in the pass game as well. Um, What has he added to this offense, and what have you seen about his progression in terms of, as we talked about, the offense really stayed dedicated to running the ball throughout the year, even when it wasn't clicking as much early on?
2: Yeah, so I think that the fact that the Bucs have gotten so much flack about the the run game, but you have basically a 1,000-yard rusher, I think speaks to the fact that uh, they really, one, stayed committed, but then also it was probably more effective than people were giving credit for, And then also we talked about earlier how when you have those sort of hybrid players and, you know, highlighting their strengths, like what Rashad was able to do from a passing game standpoint, like it just, it's hard to scheme up as a defensive coordinator, like how to, how do you think about, you know, running back who's, you know, lined up as sort of like a wide out, like, how do you really like, you, you kind of have this why like we, we tend to put people in boxes, right? He's a running back but he can kind of be a receiver a little mm-hmm. bit as effective. And so I think that not only from uh, uh, out of the backfields, from check downs, but also uh, lined up as a slot or whatever, like he really does add a lot to this offense. And um, that's hard to sort of quantify as well.
1: All right. We're going to take another quick break here on Buccaneers total access brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. This is Buccaneers radio. <laughs>
0: Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Once again, your co-hosts, Allie Marpet and Casey Phillips.
1: Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters. We are here from the Hooters Owl's Nest with former Buccaneer Ali Marpet. Uh, let's dive into this offensive line a little bit. Your sweet spot, your guys. You know, tell me as we look back. Oh, wait, yeah, you look I'm like just, you're about to.
2: No, I'm just very excited that we get to talk O-line. I
1: know, of course you are. It's your favorite thing. Yeah. So uh, let's break down. Obviously, this was a huge storyline going into this year, right? I mean, it was such a reorganized group it was new people it was new positions Hainsey's the only guy in the same spot as the year before and both of those times that wasn't necessarily the original plan so yeah. um, of all the groups to have that kind of a situation the one that chemistry is the most important it's a pretty wild scenario and then throw in oh there's a new coordinator and a new quarterback Yeah, it's fine we're all fine yeah. so tell me um, knowing all of that your expectations for the line this year you know, your concerns of what that would mean and then watching how they've handled it and progressed throughout the season.
2: Yeah, so obviously I want to answer this, I'm biased. I think (laughs) that offensive line play has a seriously strong predictor of uh, team success Mm -hmm. and making playoffs. In my humble opinion, (laughs) usually the teams that make a run can hang their hat on the O-line D-line. Um, now that's <laughs> it's not really backed up by uh, I don't have stats to back it up. <laughs> it's just the, in, the I, intuition. That's, that's my football intuition. Yes, and uh, I do think that this offensive line has really exceeded my expectations of what what they're going to do this year. Especially when you talk about guys doing different things, uh, asked to play different positions, um, and they're they're one of the better ones, honestly, in the in, in the NFL. They really have played. Uh, High-level football Luke I mean, you start from from right, right to, to left. left. Yeah, guess. there you go, but like Luke uh, It's a, probably to his own admission would say that he underperformed at left guard last year and you know it's it's a lot as a rookie to come in and ex- expect to start to play and um, You know often teams have that expectation of first or second round picks but sometimes it takes a little while to figure out how to play football and I think that Luke has started to figure it out and Going from guard to tackle, from play left guard last year to right tackle, that's like a huge switch. I, 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 I trust Luke. I think he's a great player. I think he does it the right way. But like my own perspective, I was like, I don't think this is going to work. I was, I was extremely skeptical. And I know that it was almost done out of necessity. But sometimes that trial by fire just works. And he, it fig, he figured it out. It clicked. Obviously, there's a. A Ton of room to get better um, You know, he's strong as heck and he's, he's held up really well, but I know he'll just continue to get better um, Cody again a rookie coming in uh, Who you know you have expectations to start uh, Tough to do
0: mm-hmm.
2: he's learned he's gotten significantly better and again I we've talked about some other young guys in this team where there really is a lot of upside like that's what you're gonna have to have if you're not drafting a first first round pick, right? Usually these second, third, fourth round guys, they're usually missing some aspect of their game. That's why they're getting drafted where, where they are. Cody, I think has some upside uh, from, a, from a power standpoint, once he puts on a little more weight, be uh, able to move people a little bit better. I think he's going to become a really good football player. But from a baseline standpoint, he's exceeded expectations and then Hainsy wasn't even expected to start right with Jensen uh, uh, not knowing what Jensen's uh, status, status be, was yeah. going to be. Um, but I think if you ask Hainsy, I mean, he was in his mind, like he's ready to go at mm-hmm. all times. And he is such a, we had him on the show, such a cerebral guy and that's such an important thing to have as a center sort of anchoring that offensive line. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. Uh, and, but he could also, if he needed to play in other positions, could totally do it. Um, and then you have Matt who, uh, came in expected to, to start and, you know, battle some injuries and he played, played well as sort of that, you know, uh, Expected to start kind of guy, and then Aaron Stinney came in, and this is a guy that that sometimes in the practice squad, like he's established himself as a, in my opinion, a starter. Like he's a starter in the NFL, and I think that um, going into it, most people think of him as, as you know uh, a swing guy or a backup, but he really has played well enough to be a consistent starter in the NFL. Like, and uh, he's done well in pass pro too, which is like one of the harder things to succeed at, as those one-on-one pass pros. And He's really done nice, and then Tristan, my goodness, like you started off, you know, playing, switching from one side to the other. You don't expect that he's going to do as well as he does, and he just, I mean, I, I, I talked another about a Pro Bowl snub. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's so he's an alternate, alternate. Mm-hmm. right? But again, he is that guy. I mean, he is your anchor of a tackle like you you almost don't realize how good it is until it's gone mm-hmm. type of thing uh because he's able to bring so much security and uh consistency to that position
1: yeah it's pretty incredible we're talking to former buccaneer ally marpet um overall what are you looking now at the defensive line yeah. um watching Vita and Kalijakansy play next to each other. That, that was the interesting thing when Kalija got drafted. And thinking about what would this look like next to each other, knowing you know Vita's your guy that you know, run stopper. That that is just his absolute specialty. Even though he's of course been one of the top sack getters recently too. And then thinking, well, Kalija's is incredible in the pass game, but how's he going to be in the run game? That those were kind of the ideas that one each one had their specialty. What is that going to look like? Who can you play on? How many different snaps? it feels like Kalijah's really exceeded expectations in terms of his ability in the run game despite his size. And, then of course, Vita's still getting a bunch of sacks. How do you see them influencing each other, helping each other, and then just what those two in an interior is like for an offensive line?
2: Yeah, so I think that, uh, well, Kalijah's starting off with injury earlier on in the season. I think it's tough as a rookie, right? Because those those reps early on mean a lot. Uh, and so uh, maybe a little bit slower start than he would have liked. But, the, again, the talent piece is there, and he can – effectively rush the passer so given that opportunity when he's healthy it was going to show up uh both of those guys are a nightmare (laughs) i mean in the best way so it's like um when you have two interior interior rushers pass rushers because the truth is vita well you know you he is that run stopper kind of guy he's He's incredible one of the better interior pass rushers was
1: leading the team in sacks for quite a while until yaya came flying in there
2: that's what i'm saying so like he really can uh like I don't again when we think about putting players in boxes and we mm-hmm. sort of like he is not a run stopper he's a, he's, he's a d tackle that can is just a good football player um and he, he can do so as a pass rusher and when you have two guys um it really helps you out because or you think about the you really have three offensive linemen for two d tackles if they're not bringing pressure for the most part that's like you find out where your double team is going to be based on protection based on uh you know potential blitzers or things like that who's sort of the most dangerous on the back end the linebackers or safeties um and so at some point one either vita or Kalaja are going to be one-on-one and like if you do that enough they're going to get their opportunities. Mm-hmm. They're going to get their sacks. It's just like, it's a matter of time. Yeah. So, uh, it's very exciting. And then also what, what Todd is, Bowles is able to do, being able to run these games and schemes and kind of has offensive thinking, uh, really helps. It's going to help both of their play. But my gosh, it is, again, playoff football, D lines, O lines matter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: V, uh, Vita and Kalaja playing really good ball. I think that, and they're going against a good offensive line in the Eagles. I think that, um it's it's gonna be a great matchup.
1: What do you remember about when you first went up against Vita? You'd been here what, two or three years at that point yeah. when you came in?
2: I was really, so gosh. <laughs> I mean, it is he is so strong. He is so big. It's hard to sort of like conceptualize like, uh, i played at, at that point Vince Wilfork and like so that's a, just a big he was yeah. at that point he was towards the end of his ta- career mm-hmm. uh, he was mostly just a run stopper big body um, hard to move yeah like Vita had that but then also had this like quickness and surge and just like something I hadn't really played against yeah uh, fortunately as a rookie for me Vita still figuring out how to play football like <laughs> this is gonna sound critical but like he was, he was so physical right and so Once you learned how to actually effectively rush the passer or understand offenses and defenses a little bit better, I knew he was gonna be
1: incredible. Be
2: incredible, which he is. But Um, thankfully
1: you you caught him early on before that. (laughs) Exactly. I was
2: able to catch him early enough so I could sort of game it up a little bit or like I could just give you a fighting
1: chance. (laughs) Yeah. And the
2: here's the the truth is, it was mostly just like he was he was a train on a track, like early on. Like you're not like, you're not stopping him. You just have to gently try to mis- through, like direct him into like yeah, a different direction. A different track, yeah. Different, Throw that
1: lever. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just
2: just push him a little bit, that momentum elsewhere. So that's that was my best attempt at blocking Vita.
1: That's pretty funny. Um, how about, we? I mean, it's been so nice seeing. We've talked now about Antoine and all of his sacks and Vita and his sacks and Kalija and his sacks, but none of those are the traditional who gets all the sacks. Your outside linebackers are yeah. where you tend to expect a lot of that to come from. And yeah, we've got Yaya, who has surged in there? How about the rest of the outside linebacker group watching Shaq come back from injury, and you know some of these other guys that have been in here? And we saw you know Joe Tryon get that incredible play. We hadn't even talked about that from yeah. the game of his um, forced fumble sack yeah. in the, in the game in such a crucial moment. What have you seen from that position group, and how to maybe try to get a little bit more production out of them going into the playoffs?
2: Yeah, well, the thing is, they they really have, in my mind uh, have played the run pretty well. So like it's it's difficult, I think, to have true uh, guys that can play the run and play the pass as well as as, as you really hope for uh, i think that uh what you're going to have to do is get creative with some stunts and 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 pressures and different looks that um you know we've seen like joe kind of looping we uh, we talked about this overload front before where you have three guys uh onto one side of the center and then one guy uh on the other side Uh, kind of one-on-one and you can always run these sort of these stunts or these games out of it and you have these quicker like joe looping inside getting a matchup on an interior uh, rusher where he can you know kind of showcase his his, uh, quickness and those kinds of things i think just that sort of change up can uh uh you know might be might might be nice for those guys and they also have shown up to be pretty effective for him
1: interesting um and then levante i feel like the same way we've talked about Mike, that each of them are kind of these mirror images of each other on yeah. either side of like, man, you are playing at a level you just shouldn't be playing at, it feels like, at yeah. this age and how long you've been doing it. Um, Levante, what have you seen from him? Of what do you remember about even just playing alongside of him? What it was like to have him as a vet to this locker room, and then now watching all these years later, he is still doing it at this level.
2: Yeah, I think the I mean, the reason that the Bucs are in the position that they are is because they have the veteran talent that is playing, are exceeding my expectations, and then they also have these young guys that are are showing up and, and and showing these flashes of really good football. And I think with Levante, like he is again one of those guys who's played out of his mind. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I remember by playing against him. Like there were situ- there were certain plays uh, like these tosses where it's like. It's just i knew it was going to be a tackle for a loss like we're talking mm-hmm. about this is in training camp like there's a play i really love it's like it's fantastic i get to go out in space pull around it's an outside zone type thing you to get a to crush a, a, yeah, a db exactly yeah every single time he's tackling the t- I, and i've seen other teams do it uh um do it against other teams and it's a fantastic play, but he just has such a good read it's on it. It's a great it. play
1: unless you're playing um, Levante, pl- unless yeah.
2: you're playing Levante yeah. David. Like when you have players that are great, where you like your this certain particular play, but you can't run it
1: because this dude, because
2: this dude, <laughs> like that changes the flow of the game. Yeah, and that's what those are some of the other intangibles or the other ways that you know Levante may uh, impact the game. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and earlier you brought up some of the stuff that Coach Bowles was scheming up tell me for you what it's been like to watch him be a head coach and the defensive coordinator and what do you remember even about just going against his defense and training camp and practices and what he uniquely brings
2: I mean my goodness it is like if as a center as a young center you're just like swimming you're like where are they coming from also (laughs) I think sometimes um, it's possible that they're a little bit unsound, I would say, in a kind of a good way. Because like in my mind, I've, I've said this before, but like you can only do so much like as from a defense, like if if this guy is as come as 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 blitzing, somebody else has to sort of cover that space, right? right. We need all spaces sort of covered. Yeah. Uh, just as a conceptual framework. Sometimes it's <laughs> will uh, will do some things. Coach Bowles will do some things that know may not be so sound
1: Mm -hmm. they may not be what you would have said is the traditional way to do it exactly and
2: you're kind of like you can't do that (laughs) like you're if if this guy breaks the rules if this guy's coming or if this you know for instance if the safety is pressed over the safety has to be you know way deeper if he's going to be covering that that area of the field like he can't be this low if he's also going to be running back and covering this this space Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think that makes it really challenging when you have, like, all these rule breakers. Because, like, from an offensive line, like, if you have a safety at, you know, 15 yards deep and he's cor- capping the corner, mm-hmm. so it looks like a corner could come from a pressure standpoint, and then they totally rotate and do something totally different. It's just, it sucks the game plan for.
1: <laughs> so, basically, it's like by breaking all the rules, you are keeping the offense from being able to make the correct assumptions. Yeah that they would normally make, that you're, you're kind of causing them to be back on their heels because they don't get to follow their normal rules yeah, either.
2: Yeah, you need, again, you need these parameters, right, for mm-hmm. what defenses can do because, uh, I mean, you need to have answers to things. And with Todd, there's no answers. There's no answers, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> That's great. All right, we're going to take one more break here. We have another segment coming up on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. We're going to break down this upcoming Eagles matchup. This is Buccaneers Radio.
0: Now more on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983.
1: Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. We're coming to you from the Hooters, Owls Nest, Casey Phillips here with former Buccaneer Ali Marpet. we got to talk about this upcoming game against the Eagles first. I figured it's perfect to talk to you about the Tush Push. This has been oh, the storyline of the Eagles all year. Tell me as an offensive lineman, A, your thoughts on the play, and why they're so good at it, and why it doesn't seem to be run by more people.
2: So I don't know all the trade secrets. I can just say what I've seen Mm -hmm. sort of outside looking in. I saw at some point that they had a rugby coach uh, come in and sort of really, it's basically a scrum, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like getting as low as you possibly can, and then having people behind you push, which seems to work. I will say what they're able to do well is the pad level, that they're they're sort of almost like Crawl on all fours mm-hmm. and sort of dig out hmm. um, from what, and that seems to to work. And then um, also when you have some guys behind that can generate some force pushing, it uh, ends up helping. But I also say that one thing that Kelsey seems to seems to do the the center, I feel like every time he he lines up on the ball. He sort of nudges it forward a little bit. bit. He got he got caught. caught, He's he's gotten caught, and it's nice to see that he's gotten caught. Um, but the truth is, I feel like that's been happening for years. Yeah. Yeah. So think it's been what, 13 or 14 years? So he's he's just got caught this year. So um it's like what
1: Jason Witten always said of like, I hold every play, it's just whether or not I get caught. Like exactly.
2: (laughs) So it's played out more often for them. That's worked out more often for them uh than not. But yes. And then I also think we're getting to a point where we're seeing variations of it, right? So you can get, you have to go all in to protect the tush bush. Like you mm-hmm. really do yep. have to pad level sort of dive yep. down to the ground if you have any sort of semblance of stopping it. So we're going to start to see more and more variations of, um, you know, a pass coming out of it or the sweeps around or doing something different um, as as teams could be more effective about stopping it.
1: And it's interesting. We always talk about how important it is of where teams are at at this point in the season, right? That how are you playing now? Are you at your best? Are you, you know, because suddenly now that you're into the playoffs and none of the other games matter, it's just at this moment, how are you playing? And the Eagles, you know, they start 10 and one, and then now they've been one and five in these last six games. Um, what is that like when you feel like you're facing a team like that? Like, what do you notice about why maybe this team is in this situation? And then where the Bucks are at also of like, where would you consider them in terms of playing their best ball and how this therefore could be a different matchup than the first time they played each other.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, every year you see a playoff team make a run uh, that you know you wouldn't necessarily expect to have that that type of run, you know, because of their their uh, record going into it. And I think that while momentum sort of I guess feels like it matters, I really think that it's more uh, of a of a luxury. Like I do think that you don't need it to have success. I think that um while the eagles i think are uh, struggling recently they're still such a talented team and we were saying earlier this is such a week-to-week league uh especially when you're talking about playoff teams right so now we're talking about teams that have proven themselves uh that are effective that it is even more of a a coin flip of uh, you know momentum and ability so um we'll see what ends up happening i do think that Eagles, while well, they're missing a little bit of momentum and maybe they're a little bit banged up. Like when you just look at their roster and their individual uh, players, they're such a talented group. And they usually play the Bucs really well, um, at least recently, so.
1: And I was thinking about, we're talking to former Buccaneer Ally Marpet. So Super Bowl year, all the playoff games were rematches from right. the regular season. What are some of the pros and cons of when that happens? That the playoff game is someone you've already faced and maybe even in this situation, someone you've already lost to. How does that affect... How you game plan, how you approach it, how you feel about it.
2: Yeah. So I think that we've we've talked about this earlier at some point with division opponents, but it's sort of that create where that creativity uh becomes more relevant. Like you have these looks, you have these base, you know, looks as an offense or as a defense. And it's like, where can we add these wrinkles? Where can we add these oneies that sort of were gonna get us that explosive or get us that third down, or just do something that can make us have the, that sort of edge or play a little bit faster. So it's a when you've seen a team before, it's really about how you can get creative in that game uh, and then when you're talking about those one-on-one matchups as a player, how do I sort of play this game within a game and how do I you know think about taking away, uh, or highlighting my own strengths or, you know, taking away their strengths as a, as a defender, as an offensive player. So you really have to do things a little bit different, add these little wrinkles to your game. And often they're pretty subtle, but they make the big make a big difference.
1: So having watched the Bucks all year and also knowing what the playoffs are like, what are the things that you would say for this game and however many playoff games they end up playing, what are the keys to it, regardless even of who you're playing or thinking specifically about the Eagles, whichever way you want to take it, of... The keys for the Bucks to be able to get wins in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, so I think nothing really changes as far as the the formula. Really, it's 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 taking care of the ball and it's turning in turnovers. Like really, that's at the end of the day. I think the Bucks are good enough to make a run uh, if they don't shoot themselves in their foot and if they're able to do the things that they've proven to do defensively, which is turn the ball over you just let Antoine go just like yeah. let it rip <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. and
2: he'll make something happen yeah um the, the Bucks will have success I mean they are a talented group and they've proven themselves um to do some pretty pretty impressive things
1: so what I'm hearing is that the key to the game is Antoine Winfield Jr <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what yeah. I'm hearing at this point yeah
2: no it, it really is it is turnovers um and that that usually uh dictates uh how, how, t- how a game will play out
1: And then finally, if the offense doesn't turn the ball over, other than that, what would you say is the biggest thing that you would want to see just knowing what they've been trying to do?
2: I think that uh, getting creative in the run game. uh, I think that, uh, you know, mixing in these sort of shorter intermediate uh, passes or sweeps or things like that, some throwbacks, things that uh, are a little bit different than just running downhill on a really talented defensive line, I think – it will allow the uh, the box to have a little bit of success. You can get um, ha- add these wrinkles, so to speak.
1: All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here. Thank you, as always, Allie, for your awesome insight. We really appreciate it. And thanks to all of you guys for joining us here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. This is Buccaneers Radio.